If you were here last week, we started a brand new series called Doing Life Better, and uh, we've just gotten super creative with our series titles because it's about doing life better. You know, it's just a very practical, down-to-earth series. What's God say for our lives to help us live with less pain, less regret, less heartache, more freedom, more fulfillment, more joy sort of thing. And I mentioned this last week if you were here, but I want to talk about it again because it's so important. This series is not about salvation. It's not about how do we go to heaven when we die. It's not about having more or less access to God. All of that is done and complete when we put our trust in Jesus. And what happens sometimes, unfortunately, in churches or Christian books or seminars is we start to blend how to be right with God along with how God wants us to live. And if those two get mixed up, we get twisted, weird versions of Christianity. And so this is not about those things. Okay, 98% of the time we talk about that. This is just a series that we do a couple times a year about how do you and I practically live life better? This is a life series. So um, when it comes to life, a lot of us are facing a lot of struggles. You know, our, our lives are not without issue. And there's so many different things that we face that cause hardship in our lives. I think one of those is we're facing a lot of financial hardship as people. 60% of Americans today live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, that is an incredible weight and stress to carry on. I mean, being one broken appliance or one hospital visit away from total financial collapse is tough. That's exhausting to live with. The average American has about $60,000 of personal debt that they carry. Now, that's, that includes house and car and student loans and all that, but most of us walking around today have $60,000 of, of financial debt weighing on us, and that is, that's heavy. As a nation, we spend billions of dollars every single year on social programs to help hopefully lift people out of financial situations, but It seems to me like they're not really working as well as they could be, and it's not a political thing at all, but we all know that more people are becoming dependent on financial assistance, not gaining independence. We are facing very few of us live financially free lives, which is a shameless plug for Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University that we are hosting this trimester. It starts Wednesday. If you or someone you know or Or I would even say this, if you have a high schooler still in the home, one of the best things you can do for them, I think, is sign them up for Financial Peace University. They will be light years ahead of anybody else in 10 years. And so if you haven't signed up, you should do that. But the reason is because we are facing financial hardship. But it's not just that. We've also got relational difficulties in our lives as well. You know, I I think we all know that half of marriages end in divorce today. And that's just first marriages. When you get to second or third or fourth, that number just skyrockets from there. 60% of Americans report feeling lonely on a regular basis. Nearly half of all Americans say that they have less than three close friends. We are becoming more isolated. We don't have the support relational network that we need. And it's not just, you know, a post COVID thing. It's been trending this way for decades. We are hurting ourselves relationally. It's also some pain that some of us experience professionally. Half of Americans feel dissatisfied at their job. 
Two-thirds of Americans are not satisfied with their compensation package. Two-thirds of Americans are, are, are not satisfied with where they're at and they want more promotions. And like, man, that's a huge part of our lives to kind of carry around this weight and it's not where I want to be. And, and what do we do with all that? You and I, we face certainly a lot of physical struggles and hardship in our lives. 80% of Americans are either overweight or obese. The USDA estimates that there's 100 million Americans who live with at least one preventable chronic disease, usually caused by poor nutrition and lack of exercise. We're just walking around, harming ourselves, certainly not doing life better. One in five Americans has had some sort of sexually transmitted infection at one time or another in, our, in their lives, costing our healthcare system over $16 billion. Physically, it's not very good, and even mentally. 75% of Americans have a health-related issue that is directly linked to stress, the weight and anxiety and worry that we carry around. I don't know one person, including myself, who doesn't walk around feeling guilty about something in our minds. I don't know one person who, who doesn't walk around with at least one thing that we regret doing and having to have that just replay in our heads over and over again. And like, there are so many areas where we're not doing life better, where life kind of stinks, where it's hard and it's difficult. And I don't, I don't think it would be, you know, necessarily wise to kind of put everything in one bucket. Okay. This is why that's, that, that's tough. Maybe on a spiritual level, some of us that are Christians, we could maybe agree that there's kind of, you know, one force behind this all, but from a purely practical side of things, we live complicated, complex lives. So much of our lives is intertwined with others and ourselves and all sorts of things. I'm not sure you can really pinpoint it down to one, but I do think there is a big cause for some of these things that gets overlooked so often. And that is this, irresponsibility. And by irresponsibility, I mean you and I individually, our irresponsibility in life. Our, our collective irresponsibility is wreaking havoc in our lives. It, it seems like as Americans, we want more freedoms to do what we want, when we want, however we want it, as much as we want. Okay, we want to do all that, but we don't want anybody to hold us accountable to the consequences of those freedoms and those actions. And, and to me, I just think like, that seems like the definition of irresponsibility, you know, actions without accountability or lack of actions without accountability. We, 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 so many of us, we want to be able to eat whatever we want, regardless of the physical toll it puts on our body and our systems and heart disease and diabetes. We want to be able to spend whatever we want, go into debt, and maybe we can make the monthly, you know, minimum payments, regardless of the stress that that adds to our lives. But what else? What else do you call that? Like, what other word is there for that? We, as a, as a culture, as a nation, we want to be able to sleep with whoever we want, however many times we want, and pick them up and drop them off. And like, regardless of the emotional toll that takes on us, what else do you call that besides irresponsibility? And here's the thing about irresponsibility. Someone's irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. It's just the nature of how it works. Irresponsibility is not 
is not just a personal issue that lives in a vacuum. If you and I are irresponsible, it always, by nature, has to become someone else's responsibility. And I think we all kind of intrinsically know this, especially if you've had little kids before. We want our kids to clean up after themselves, right? And to hang their towels up and to take care of their clothes and put the dishes in the dishwasher. Why? Because if they are irresponsible in those things, we have to be responsible to do those. And we don't want that, you know? Our irresponsibility always becomes someone else's responsibility. Irresponsibility with health causes someone else to become responsible for our health and our care and the cost of that care later on in life. Irresponsibility when it comes to the cost of higher education always becomes someone else's responsibility to foot the bill. And again, that's not a political thing. That's just a thing thing, okay? It's how irresponsibility works. Irresponsibility with sex and doing whatever we want in that kind of realm always becomes someone else's responsibility. Whether that's a child, whether that's sexually transmitted diseases, whether that's just the emotional weight of shame and having to keep secrets and regret that we might put on other people. This is not doing life better. This, nobody, nobody it has more joy and more freedom long run by being irresponsible. It hurts us and it harms us. But here's the challenging part with responsibility. We can very easily point it out in other people. Maybe you're even thinking of somebody right now, okay? Don't, don't, don't nudge them if they're next to you, but we all can see it from a mile away in everybody else, but it's very hard to notice in ourselves, isn't it? It's very hard to see irresponsibility in the mirror. And I think that's because so often we play the blame game. Instead of, instead of looking inside and seeing, is it my fault? We just want to blame something or someone else. Sometimes we play the blame game unknowingly just because of our entitlement mentality that is, is so prevalent in our world today. You know, this, this idea that we are, our expectations about what we deserve are so unrealistic. They're so, you know, we, we expect to make more money at 23. You know, we expect to be able to buy bigger and better. We expect to, to be able to have more free time and, and travel more. And, and we expect healthcare to be provided for us. And we expect our golden years to go smoothly. And, and we expect other people to treat us better because we expect they don't have their own issues that they're dealing with in life as well. And, and every time we think we deserve something, that we expect it, it prevents us from taking an honest look in the mirror about why we're struggling, about why our life is the way it is. I think when it comes to the blame game, sometimes that plays out as just saying, life isn't fair, you know? Oh, life isn't fair, and that's, that's why the, you know, it is the way it is. Yeah, life isn't fair. I don't know how we ever thought it was going to be, you know? There's so many things in life that are not fair. The gender you and I were born with, the talents and abilities, what year we were born in, who our parents were, where we were, so many things are absolutely not fair. Jesus even told at least two parables that I can think of that talked about the unfairness of life. And not that he was going to make it different, just, hey, wake up, hello, life is unfair. The funny thing when we, when we talk about issues of fairness that I... I have to laugh at myself and laugh at just kind of us as a culture. 
we're only concerned with fear when we think our piece of the pie is smaller, right? You know, like I've never met anybody who got a promotion that 10 coworkers didn't and went home. It's like, it's so unfair that all those 10 people, you know, got to stay down. Like, man, we, just, we call that blessed. I'm just blessed I got that, you know? Is this, nobody walks around saying, it's so unfair that I get the benefit of air conditioning and refrigeration and electricity. Man, for all of human history, they didn't have that. It's so unfair. Now, we're only concerned when we think the fairness is working against us, the unfairness. And, and here's the same thing. When we use that tech, well, life's not fair. That's why it's not going the way I want. We prevent ourselves from even asking, from even considering, is that because of my irresponsibility? So often we play the blame game and it's just direct, I blame you. I blame, we just blame other people. You know, that's, that's basically, if you want to know a snapshot of American politics today, that's it. Everybody's just blaming each other and it's your fault and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's not new to us though, right? This is not like some phenomenon that's happened in the 2000 America. This is a human issue that has existed since humanity has been around. At the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden, he gave them one rule, okay? Don't eat the fruit from this one tree. Anything else free game, this is the only thing I'm telling you not to do. But we all know how that ended, right? Of course they ate the fruit. Of course they, they broke that rule. And in Genesis, God goes up to Adam and says, hey, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now, God's not dumb, okay? He, of course, knew Adam had eaten, but it's, it's, it's just given Adam a chance to fess up. You know, like when I, when I talked about last week forging that check, my mom sat me down and said, did you really do that? She knew. Obviously, she knew. It's the same thing right here. Adam, did you, come on. Did you do this? And, and this is just my opinion. This is my belief. But I think had Adam said, yes, God, I did. I ate from that tree and you know what? So did my wife and I'll take responsibility for her. And you deal with us as you want. We broke your one rule. I take full responsibility. I think had Adam done that, our entire world would have been different. But he didn't. Instead, he said, it was the woman. And every man from then on has used this same excuse, you know? If you're a woman and you're mad when your man says that, I just want you to know he got it honestly, okay? It's just in our genetics, okay? It was the woman. Don't look at me, God. Okay, it wasn't her. It was her fault. Go talk to her. I mean, you know what? She tricked me. She forced me. My hands were behind my back and she waterboarded me with that fruit, you know? Like, he couldn't even accept his own irresponsibility, his own failure to obey what God said. And God goes to Eve and it's the same story, you know, oh, it wasn't me. It was the serpent, you know, sort of thing. And this cycle of blame has continued ever since. But, but the truth of the matter is it's not always someone else's fault, at least not totally. We were there. Like I said last week, we were there for every bad decision we ever made. We were there for every irresponsible decision that we ever made. And the reality is, is that irresponsibility just hurts. It hurts us. It hurts others. Okay, no, none of us ever get better by being irresponsible. None of us ever achieve more by being irresponsible. And so what's the alternative? Now, hang on to your seats because this is going to be a shocker, okay? I guarantee this is way out of left field, but 
if being irresponsible is the problem, then the solution... Whoa, huh? Bet you didn't see that coming. It's to be responsible. If you and I want to do life better, then this is a principle that we need to learn to leverage to our benefit. This is a principle that God has just kind of set up that we can, we can ignore and suffer or we can use and harness to actually live our lives a little better. This, this principle, this instruction is all over in the Bible. There's a document in the Old Testament called Proverbs. It's a bunch of wise sayings by one of the wisest men to ever live. And he talks about this several times. In Proverbs 13, Solomon says, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Now, he doesn't use the words responsibility and irresponsibility, but I know we're all smart enough to see that that's what he's talking about. You know, skip ahead to the next chapter. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Responsibility brings good things, but irresponsibility doesn't. If you skip ahead a thousand years in human history, after Jesus is already born, lived, died, resurrected, Christianity is going, we see God still emphasizing this same principle. In Galatians, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, this is not a promise in all situations, in all circumstances, okay? We all can probably think of somebody or know somebody who just run into dumb luck, you know, or they were born with the right last name, you know, but, but that's the exception. That's not the rule. God has instituted this principle in the world that we reap what we sow. Generally speaking, if we put good in, we're going to get good out. Now, maybe at different levels, again, that's the unfairness of life, but you put good in, you get good out, you put bad in, generally speaking, you're going to get bad out. Irresponsibility is a huge part of that. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says it this way, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. He's obviously talking in the context of Christianity, and sin is a very loaded, powerful word, a lot of depth, a lot of meaning there, but part of what sin means is just pain and hardship. And so even if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't subscribe to a Christian worldview, this principle is still true. Remember, it is painful and it is harmful for our lives to know what we ought to do and then not do it. I, th I think this right here is a, a great kind of working definition of what it means to be responsible. What, what does it mean to be responsible? Well, it means doing what we ought to do, doing what's expected of us, doing what's required of us. And I think this is really where, again, if, if you were here last week, if you didn't catch last week's message, you owe it to yourself to watch that on our YouTube channel, because this is really where these two weeks come together. There's there's step one of being honest with ourselves, and then there's step two of doing something about it, of being responsible with what we discover in that honesty. And every single one of us can ask ourselves this question, am I doing what I ought to do? No matter who we are, no matter how good or how bad life is going, 
whether we're Christian or not, young or old, male, female, black, white, any sort of category you want, we all can ask ourselves, am I, am I being responsible? Am I doing what's expected of me? Am I doing what I ought to do? We need to be honest enough with ourselves to admit what it is we ought to do. And then we need to be responsible enough to actually do it. And I just put some, some different areas of life. Many of these will apply to most of us. Some of them are a little more specific, but if you, if you are an employee, if you're not lucky enough to be retired yet, okay? If you're an employee, ask, ask ourselves, am I doing what I ought to do? Now, there might be some specifics in your job or your, your role that are different from everybody else's, but there's some general principles we can go off of. If I have a job, am I showing up when I'm supposed to? Am I fulfilling my job description? Am I, am, am, I, am I being a good employee, fellow employee to others? Am I making the company money? And I know that sounds so old-fashioned in our progressive society, but that's, that's what a job is, you know? It's voluntary work for a certain amount of compensation. And many times we are, again, like I said at the beginning, we're dissatisfied in our job. We're dissatisfied with where we're at. We're dissatisfied with how far up the ladder we've made it. And maybe there's some other circumstances, but we can't bypass this. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing at my job? Am I giving 100% when I'm there or am I slacking off? Am I fulfilling and following up on my responsibilities or am I taking really long lunch breaks? I'm not saying this is going to guarantee that everything changes in a night, but generally speaking, you put good in, you get good out. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? If you're on the flip side, if you're an employer or a boss or, or a manager, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? Well, we're supposed to be paying our employees a, a comparative market wage based on our ability. I'm not saying every job needs to be six figures, okay, but for the job and for the skill, are we paying what that job ought to be paying? Are we, are we providing a safe and stable work environment for our employees? I think one of the big responsibilities, if you are an employer, a boss, a business owner, a manager, if that's you, are we clearly setting and clarifying expectations for our employees? And are we holding them accountable to those expectations? I think there's so many business owners and, and, and managers that they get all grumpy and bent out of hand and complain, oh, my employees don't do this or they're acting that way and never stop to ask, What's my part in that? Am I doing what I'm supposed to? If we haven't clearly communicated the expectations, why would we blame somebody else? Why would we blame an employee for what they're doing or not doing? We can remove so much pain and hardship in our lives if we just ask ourselves honestly this question and then follow through. If you're a husband, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing in my marriage? And maybe, maybe there's different definitions of that based on what you believe, but generally speaking, and same for wives, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing in your marriage, fulfilling each other's needs, loving the other person, not backbiting them? Many of the marriage problems that we experience are kind of because we're selfish, kind of because we live pretty irresponsibly, me, me included. Even if you find yourself in a situation where there is abuse, 
where there's violence, maybe where there's been infidelity, this question still applies. What is your responsibility in that type of relationship? Well, our responsibility is to set boundaries, to clearly communicate those boundaries to our spouse. And if those boundaries are crossed, to take action. It's not, it's not responsible to stay there and say, hit me again. That's irresponsibility. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? If you're a parent, what's your responsibility to your children? So oftentimes, I think we just, we leave that up to schools and teachers. Well, you, you teach them values and character and morals and all. That's not what schools and teachers are supposed to do. They're there to teach math and science, okay? That's, it's up to you and I to teach values and to train and to discipline and to correct. And if we want our kids to grow up a certain way, exhibiting certain characteristics, that's not up to the school. That's part of our responsibility. Speaking of schools, I have to mention this one. If you are a parent in the drop-off line, let me clearly explain what your responsibility is. Your responsibility is to stay buckled, stay in your car, and kick your kid out as quick as possible, okay? Do not put your car into park. Do not let little Timmy out. Don't make him a five-course meal in the back seat. Don't walk him to the front door. Some of us have things to do in our lives, okay? If you are going to get out of your car, your responsibility is to go park in the parking lot, not the drop-off line, okay? So thank you. I just feel way better saying that, okay? So that was personal. <sighs> Obviously. Yeah. How about when it comes to our money? What is it that we ought to do there? We ought to not spend more than we make. We ought to not go into debt as much as humanly possible. We ought to live within our means. One of my favorite memes that I see, I actually have it saved on my phone. It's a picture of a guy sitting in a canoe with a bear. And the caption says, everything happens for a reason. And the bottom caption says, sometimes that reason is because we make stupid decisions. I got to remind myself of that often, you know, like we need to remind ourselves, am I doing what, oh my gosh, I feel so much stress because of money and I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Well, you know what? Maybe let's not make just minimum monthly payments and stretch ourselves to the limit. No wonder we are in such financial distress. We all know that's not wise, but yet so many of us continue to do it. Are we doing what we ought to do. How about with your emotions? What's the, what's the responsible thing to do with our emotions? We all feel them. They all can pop up so quickly. And I, I'm, I'm kind of in the camp that I don't think emotions are good or bad. They're just neutral. We experience them. They're a part of who we are as a human. But what is our responsibility? How do we react to those emotions? When we feel sad, when we feel angry, when we feel worried, how do we react with those sorts of things? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? I mean, sex, alcohol, social, I mean, just, just go down the list. I'm not even saying everything on this list. We all need to come to the same conclusion, okay? There's some variability here, and we all, you know, are at different spots in life, but 
as you look across this list, there is not one area of life where this question wouldn't benefit us. There's not one area of life where this question couldn't be a game changer in us doing life better. Am I being responsible or am I being irresponsible? There's one more category that I want to talk about. And in, in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Do life better. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't act, I think you could use irresponsibly there as well. But instead, understand what the Lord wants you to do. For those of us that are Christians, which again, maybe it's not everybody, but not only are we responsible to ourselves, and not only are we responsible to others, but we're also responsible to the Lord. In light of who God is, in light of what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, in light of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, in light of this this eternal work that God has invited us to be a part of, what does God want me to do? From his perspective, what is it that I ought to do? Because you and I, if, if we are Christian, biblically speaking, we're not just our own anymore. That we belong to somebody else and that we were bought with a price. If you and I, if we are Christians, I think this last category right here is meant to impact and define our answers for all the rest of these categories. What is it that I ought to do in light of God, my relationship with him? What is it that the Lord says I ought to do? Employee. The Lord says to work diligently at our jobs as if we were working for the Lord. Even if you're convinced your boss is the devil, okay? Work as if we're working for the Lord. If you're an employer, to treat your, your, your workers, your employees with kindness and respect because you know you also have a master in heaven, a boss in heaven. If we're Christians, what does, Christian husbands, what does the Lord want us to do? What, do, what ought we do out of our faith? We'll love our wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, what is it the Lord wants you to do to submit to and respect the leadership of your husband in the same way that you submit to and respect the leadership of the Lord with our money. You know what? To Yes, we have money to use to pay for things and enjoy life, but also to view our money as a tool that can be used for eternal purposes, to invest it in God's kingdom and his work in this world with a neighbor. You know what? To be a good Samaritan with our health, to honor God with our bodies, with our emotions, to be thankful in all circumstances. That's what God says we ought to do. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's going to be there automatically. But that is his will for us. With a friend to speak the truth in love, if we see a blind spot, as a citizen to pay our taxes, I mean, all, all sorts of different things. God has a heart and a will for us. And I think if you want to kind of sum this down, am I doing what I ought to do in, 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 as a Christian? I think you can simplify it down to two things. Remain and respond. Remain 
in a close relationship with God, talk to him often, read his word, worship him, get yourself in situations and experiences and other relationships that can point you towards staying close to God. Remain close to him and then respond to whatever he prompts our hearts and our minds to do or say or pray for or give to or stay away from anything that God puts on our hearts to say, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I don't want to live irresponsibly. My challenge for every single one of us this morning, Christian or not, is what's one area of our lives that we can maybe be a little more honest with ourselves and yeah, kind of been being irresponsible with this. Even as I was talking, I'm guessing something came to mind. Maybe it's on this list or maybe it's not, but what's one area that we can admit? Yeah, you know what? I have been pulling my weight. And then what can we do about it? Because just, just imagine, what if six months from now, what if a year from now, what if five years from now, you make a change and you look back on that and say, that was the best decision I've ever made in my life. What, what, if, what if you choose to be more responsible with your finances or with a relationship or with sobriety or with your kids or feeling like, what if, wouldn't it be worth even attempting this if there's a chance that it could be the best decision we ever made? What's one area that you can ask yourself this question this week? And then I would challenge all of us to invite God into the equation as well. Not that he's going to do it for us, not that we can just Oh God, you please do it. No, no, that's not it. But that we can invite him to walk with us as we take responsibility for our lives. Let's pray together. Father, um, I, I just imagine, I don't know if this is true, but I just imagine sometimes you look at us from heaven and, and if you could just communicate, you would say, stop hitting your head against the wall. You see the pain and you see the heartache but you've given us a free will. Why do we keep hurting ourselves? I don't know, but God, we want to ask for your help. We want to ask that you would help us see these areas in our life where we are being irresponsible. We give you permission, God, to bring it to our minds and bring it to our hearts. We don't just want to keep doing the same things over and over. And then, Father, I ask that you would put in our minds or put people around us, somehow, God, would you help us begin to take action, begin to change what we're doing, begin to actually be responsible. You have given us good and clear instructions for our lives. God, help us follow them. Help us do what you say so that we can experience less pain and heartache in this life. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.